Hi, and welcome to Renton Christian Center's Recorded Ministries. As members of the Body of Christ, we offer love and encouragement to everyone. As Pastor Alex leads us through God's Word, we hope you will be lifted and filled with joy as we open our hearts and minds to the love of Jesus and the hope He gives us all. Now here's Pastor Alex. Let's get into God's Word. There is nothing like the Bible. I just want you to know, there's nothing like this book. There's never been a piece of literature written by anyone in any time in history where you and I could say this is 100% pure living words of God. Reliable, absolutely, unquestionably true. We may not understand everything. Some things are definitely obscure. Not everything applies because some things are sort of like real peripheral to the main message that it teaches. But nevertheless, everything in here is reliable and true. And Jesus said, there's one thing that will never pass away. The flowers will wither, the grass will fade, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. So that's why I love the Bible. I mean, where else can you go to get that kind of anchor, that kind of foundation? That's why I want you to grab one if you don't have yours with you. Um, could somebody, maybe Marcella, if you've got a free hand, maybe you could pass out some Bibles or Judy could do that. Yeah, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. I just got a few verses I want to read, but it really helps if you see it with your eyes and hear it with your ears. It's Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. So, while we're passing those out and uh, finding Genesis 2, thank you so much. I uh, think I mentioned to you a few weeks ago that Vincent Oywak who's the husband of Esther and the father of four fantastic young men, uh, would be returning back to South Sudan where he has been working for most, the most part, about, I don't know, 10 months out of the year, and he comes home off and on. And uh, he announced, and I think I share with most of you as well, that he's coming home for good, I think in April or something like that. And so we're very excited about that. So I, I went and... Uh, had a couple hours with him just by ourselves uh, before he left, and I, and I said, so tell me what you're sensing about this decision. It's huge. You've been there for a long time. It's huge for you to say, I have to just pick up and move back to be with my family. And of course, it's all about being there for his boys. You know, they're young teenagers and young uh, elementary age. Perfect time for him to be there full time. But I said, what is it about? What, what have you discovered about Sudan that kind of sh- is shutting the door for you? And and he said, you know, it's, it's really become very clear to me that this country runs not on government or by a government, not on freedom, not on what is true and right and lovely. The nation is run by guns, greed, and grudges. I said, wow, three Gs, that was good. You should, that will preach, man. Guns, greed, and grudges. He goes, yeah, it, it's, it's incredible. The only thing people care about is gathering wealth for themselves at any cost. They will kill to become more wealthy. And if it's not about grappling, grappling for money and, and whatever income they can, it's about paying people back for offenses that took place literally hundreds of years ago. South Sudan is still very much a tribal community, and so a lot of the families have had loved ones 
way, way long time ago, generations ago, that were killed by somebody in this family. It's kind of like the Hatfields and the McCoys. There are feuds that never, ever, 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 ever end. And he said, yeah, my wife told me one of the reasons she loves America is because when you work for something, you can pretty much count on it paying off. He said, that's not true in Sudan. Everything you do is being ripped off or stolen or attempted to be robbed from you. The thing about America is everything you do, every bit of effort and energy and ingenuity that you put into the work of your hands pretty much guarantees you will have some kind of guaranteed return. It's going to be worth your while. It won't just slip away. This morning, I want to start a short series on, on finances, on money. But... <laughs> I think it's fascinating to notice that the Bible doesn't start the topic of money with a discussion about money. The Bible's first inference to wealth starts with work. It's about work. It's about being productive. It's about taking something, altering it to make it more valuable than it was in its natural state. And we have to understand God loves the concept of work. In fact, he designed us to be partners with him in wealth creation or even in health creation when it comes to things like medicine and research. He designed us to partner with him. He put all the resources here on planet Earth and inside of us, and he says, now if you take those things and put them together and work at it with your brain, your hands, your collaboration, you'll be amazed at what you can do. Wealth will just begin to appear. In fact, he said it's not just a a man thing, a human thing. This idea of work really was built into creation. He built the wind so that when the wind blows across a field of trees, pollen gets released so that it can pollinate other trees and fruit can be born. The wind is doing some work for us. He designed the ocean so that when the tide comes in and the tide goes out, it changes the shape of the shoreline and river mouths become deltas and, and whole new islands. And in fact, buildable land appears over a period of time. The water's working for us. Rivers can carve canyons and, and make things that were rough, smooth, and usable. Delivering silt and soil and something that will eventually become farmland. All creation is at work creating things to be even more and more beautiful, more and more useful, more and more of a blessing to us. So I want to talk to you about, not money this morning, I want to talk to you about work. And if you read here in Genesis chapter 2, starting at the first verse, there are just a few references in the creation story that talk about work, and it begins not with ours, but with his work. Genesis 2 verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Verse 4 and 5. This is the account now of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. So as you're imagining now creation occurring, God has got everything in place except no green plants, no shrubs have 
have appeared yet because he says, I can't have things growing until there's someone to tend to the growth. Someone's got to work this garden. And slide on down to verse 15. So the creation of the, uh, the green plants and growing things occurs, and then down in verse 15 at the very end of this series of creations, Adam is created, and it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So we've got this reference to creative energy and ingenuity, even sweat and not tears yet because there's no sin in the land, but, but there's, there's a man getting ready to apply himself, everything, every faculty that he has, his body, his brain, his creativity, his eyes, his ears, every sensory ability that he has, and put it to work in the creation so as to cause things to occur that were never there before. I love it. I love work. You and I have had experiences where we've had a chance to, I don't know, maybe as a kid, Play-Doh. You got this like cylinder shape of Play-Doh, you bonk it out of the can, and it looks like a can of tomato soup, you know, there's nothing to it. But suddenly you're rolling it, and you've got, whoo, dinosaur, you know, or worms, whoo. I mean, it's, a, it's just always very satisfying to create by the work of our hands. So let's take a look at, at this word work, and uh, oh, look at those guys. I'll tell you, they are in heaven, don't you think? You just know it. They're either coal miners or oil workers or oil fields or something like that. These men are happy. Now, I know this is kind of a macho picture, but uh, a lot of women have got really strong work, work ethics too, but I thought this is a, a good visual. I want to talk about work here in creation because God doesn't say that work was a curse. He says it was a blessing. It was a gift that we've been given. So the first thing I want to talk about is the work of creating. In, in the first two verses there in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, where you see that word work appear, it simply, it, it's the word maleka. It's the Hebrew word maleka. And it simply means to make or to create or to fashion with the hands, okay? Man needs to work things in the ground because that's what God did in creation. He's speaking things into existence. And of course, we know the Bible says he did it with his words, if he wanted to use his hands, he could have, but he had way more power. But he's creating things. He's causing things to come into being, into existence that were not there before. The interesting thing about this word, work, is it's, it's a feminine noun. It's a feminine noun. In other words, it's kind of like a, a woman to God. It's almost like there's a counterpart to his maleness. And don't get off on, he's a man, he's a woman. No, he's God, he's everything. Okay, but the Bible calls him a he. But, but in his being, there, there's something that he's doing that kind of has some feminine characteristics to it. It's called work, it's called creating. And there's something very absorbing about the work that I think draws God in. He enjoys creating. He loves working even now in people's lives and hearts. There, there's like this counterpart of relationship with the work of his hands where he goes, I, I was just made for this. And so I'm thinking, okay, if, if man was made in his image, then that would explain why for some of us work is so attractive, wouldn't it? It's kind of like whether you're a man or a woman, there's like a counterpart that's being fulfilled. I was designed for this. Now, obviously, every human is different. 
Everybody has varying levels of energy and persistence and skills, and some of us are gifted in our brains, but we couldn't you know, put two sticks together with our hands. Others are really good with our hands, and we're just kind of you know, a little weaker up here. <laughs> so it's all kinds of combination, but still every one of us in some area of life has this attraction to create. That was born into you because that's how he is, his nature was revealed as he's creating. It's kind of like, wow, he's, he's sort of loving what he does with his hands. So this, this idea that we're designed to work and to create would also explain why some of us get overly committed to work. That's why the saying is, oh, my husband's got a mistress. It's his job, right? Because it has that kind of attractive power. And that's why we as humans, because now we're falling, we tend to overdo things. And we've got to like learn how to pull back. You know, some wives complain that they're football widows. Others are Boeing widows. And others are Starbucks widows or whatever the job is. Because there's an attraction to it. So I'm not saying that's good, bad, or indifferent. What I want you to understand is that you were designed to work in some capacity. You were just designed for this. There's a satisfaction, this kind of like a, a wellness, a wholeness that, that occurs when you and I are putting our hands to something. Or it might be our minds. Or it might even be our, our speaking. It might be our imagination, relational kind of work that we do. Whatever it is, we were designed to create. So here's, here's one of the conversations um, we had this week at our staff meeting. You know, Pam was uh, there on Thursday. She left on Friday. And so we're sitting around, Kevin, Callie, Carrie, and I, and and, and Pam, and uh, you know, she's kind of saying, okay, guys, this is my last staff meeting. I'm heading out tomorrow. And so we prayed for her, laid hands on her. And, and um, so, of course, the natural question comes up, so Alex, you're going to be a bachelor for a month, huh? What are you going to do? You know what I said? I said, I've been looking forward to this, this time for so long. I'm going to go out and rearrange my backyard. I'm just going to terrorize. I, I mean, I've just been dreaming at night about all the things I could do when she's gone. Because when she's home, I have a commitment to her. We're in relationship. We have to spend time on a daily basis to have intimate conversation, catch up, pray with one another, and, and do things jointly together with our family. That, that's a commitment. But baby, when she's not there, oh, the yard is mine. <laughs> I just, I'm just so excited. So... The weekend before she even left, I had already started. What, what, what I'm working on is um, we've had a hot tub that was given to us 20 years ago. We, we built it in. We built this big wraparound thing, you know, and, it, and we kept it working, kept the pumps going, replaced the heater a few times, but it was getting ugly. And the maintenance was just not worth it anymore and it's becoming kind of a trap for mosquitoes and everything. So I said, we got to get rid of this. So then I'm starting to get excited about chainsawing my, my hot tub. And I literally, I mean, so the weekend before, I said, honey, I, I, I kept, I'm not going to do it until you leave because she hates disorder. She hates when things are, because that's how I work. I'm kind of like that Peanuts character. There's like this ruffle of dirt all around him all the time. That's kind of when I'm on a project, man, it's just bedlam. And so I, I promise, honey, I'll wait till you're gone, then I'll destroy everything. <laughs> But I'm laying in bed at night going, I can't wait that long. So I said, honey, can I please start? And so it's a weekend before. She goes, sure, go ahead. She's so kind to me. She loves me. So I break out my chainsaw, and I realize, okay, this, this eight-foot round hot tub, I mean, it's like, it's four feet deep, and it's up on this elevated deck area, and 
and I can open these doors and start, I can't, I have to lift this thing, so I'm, I'm trying to figure out, how do I lift, I'm one guy, this is a 400 pound beast, how am I gonna get this, and so again, I'm laying in bed the next night going, okay, leverage, physics, surely there's a way it can be done with one person. So I'm dreaming of all these, and sure enough, I get out there, I start cranking with two by fours and block, and, I, and then I, one day I told my wife, I said, honey, I've got, I'm gonna use my car jack. And so I got the car jack on it, and I'm starting to lift this thing up since rising to the top, and it finally tipped over and smashed my toe. But it was out. And so I took my chains. I wish I had taken pictures. I just thought, oh, I was having too much fun. So my neighbor heard me. It was now in quarters, and we were able to fit it in his pickup truck. And he's such a great and grace. I want to take a picture of him, too. He deserves it. But I'm just telling you, there was such satisfaction. For my kind of person, the way I was wired, that was like a marriage. It was, I was in heaven, and I still am. I know. I, I'm trying to make the point. It's nutty. But that's why we have to see it. It's, it's kind of like a... It's kind of a love-hate sort of thing, you know? There are certain points when work is like my nemesis. Other times it can become addictive, another nemesis. But there are times when we have to recognize God designed us for this, to create. So I got to the point where uh, Pam had finally left. The hot tub was in the dump, you know, and we took that out. And so what was left then was the, the kind of the elevated box that I had built. So the hot tub was on top, and we had to, that's where I was going straight up and then into the backyard and rolled it away. So... Now that Pam's gone, you can see it's old, it's ugly. I'm going, I don't want to power wash and sand and just again and again and again. Let's just throw this thing away. But then I said, I'm going to reuse, repurpose the wood. Because if you flip the wood over, it's like brand new on the inside. So I decided I'm going to just take care of it by tearing it all apart. And so this was about two hours later. I'm an animal. It's like it took no time at all, man. I just tore this thing apart, and there was a concrete slab that I poured so the thing wouldn't sink into the ground or slide off the hill. And then I finished taking it. Oh, so there's my wood. You can see it's kind of orangey on the top side. It's nice and new. Literally, a little sanding, and it's like brand new. So I'm going to remake this entire deck area just by flipping all the deck boards over. This is free. I mean, a few new screws, and that's about all it's going to take. Maybe a little spare board here and there. And so now that, that little ugly box is now a big ugly it's like napalm had hit it right <laughs> and that's what my wife dislikes because whenever i get into stuff here's how it ends up <laughs> so that's where we are as of today and it's been pouring down rain i'm going come on jesus and i just, I just gotta get back out there at any rate my point in sharing this is that i think we were designed to work until we go to see jesus face to face I think that's why the idea of retirement doesn't really appeal to everyone. Some people just go, why would I want that? In fact, I heard an interview about one of the healthy people who had won the lottery and didn't get crazy with it and lose it all. He did a really good job of investing in everything, and, and someone asked him, so uh, did you quit your job and just kind of go on vacation the whole time? He said, yeah, I tried that, but I found out that all I did every day was sleep in way too long, started drinking way too early, and my life was going nowhere. So I went back to work. I, I just needed the structure. I needed the, the challenge. I just needed to, I just kind of have some order and some productivity. We were designed for that. And so, of course, retirement from a paying job to perhaps a different kind of work where you don't need the paycheck, to me, that'd be wonderful. 
because you could volunteer and you can still pr be productive, but you're not required to punch the clock for somebody else. But the idea of, uh, of stopping work, I don't think we were meant for that. Work could change, it could slow down, I could move from physical to more mental in the future, work smarter, not harder. Sure, you can make all those adjustments, but God said, look, if you want to be wealthy, learn how to work. Just learn how to work. Stay at it. Balance it with your relationships. Don't let the job get in front of your marriage or your children or your church or your Jesus or anything else. But the main thing is get used to it. You're designed for a lifetime of productivity. <laughs> Second thing Genesis tells us about the value of work is that there is value in just maintaining what you already have. Not everything is about new and creating and, you know, causing things to appear that never were here before. In Genesis 2, verse 5, where it said, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. God hadn't even sent rain because there was no one there to work the land, to work the garden. So God's thinking ahead. He's going, if, if there can't be maintenance going on, there's not going to be any garden. The garden and a maintainer have to arrive at the same time. Maintenance is required for God's creation to maintain its beauty and usefulness. Now, I can't tell you how many times Pam and I have said, can there just be no more dishes someday? Can there just, just how about dust? See, you know, she's looking around, she's like, where did this come from? What, what is with this? It's like, where does it come from? You know, it'd be nice if we just didn't have to do maintenance, but I, I'm of the opinion that if you and I weren't challenged to just do some of those mundane maintenance kind of jobs on a regular basis, we'd probably start going south pretty fast. What is it? I, idleness is the devil's workshop. Is that how it goes? Something like that. Idle hands, yeah, yeah. It's really true. Maintenance has great value. You see, when God created the, the plants, they were going to grow and go crazy and reproduce whether there was a gardener there or not. How many of you noticed that about your yard? You're on vacation. Did your grass take a vacation? No. Hedges take a vacation. How often do your trees and shrubs need pruning? I've told you this story many, many times, but I, we love our yard because it's surrounded by about an eight-foot hedge on two, about two and a half of the sides and then it's open in the back to our neighbor, and we have kind of a joint backyard, sort of like a garden. It's really beautiful. But these eight-foot hedges are a nightmare. Right now, they've been not growing since I last pruned them. So they're like still flat and straight. They, haven't, they have not peaked up their head an inch, and I'm just going, thank you. But in about 30 days, I mean, this thing, these guys, they're laurels primarily. They can add two feet in about a month. And it just drives me crazy. I hate pruning those bushes. I tell my wife, every year, honey, for my birthday, I want a coupon for a gardener. <laughs> I just want to pay somebody. Just here, here's your, just do it. But we haven't done that yet. Because the Lord keeps reminding me, Alex, I know you kind of hate this job, but you also kind of love it. <laughs> because A, it, it helps you work off your stress, and the physicality of it is really useful for your brain and keeps you out of trouble. And, but then you really love the finished product, too, oh, yeah. don't you, right? Very satisfying. 
So maintenance, I mean, we might kind of hate some of the stuff we do, but let me tell you something. If you will maintain what you've been given, whether it's your car, your carpet, the paint job on your house, or your hot tub, whatever it is, if you'll maintain what God has given you and blessed you with, no matter where you are in the economic stratosphere, I mean, you could be the most impoverished, but if you learn to take care of what you've been given, I promise you, wealth will grow. So anyway, okay, pruning is not fun, but it's mandatory. And I've learned if I let those things go because like, I just want a day off. I want to watch the entire football game start to finish. I want this, I want that. I'm just something kind of lounge in the lap of luxury. I'm too old for this. Whatever the excuse, when things start going to, you know, wearing a handbasket, it's like, there is no happiness at all. Not only for me, but for those who visit, neighbors don't like it. The sun is now getting shut out of their garden because hedges are too tall. Maintenance is a critical part of the work God has designed us to do. And, and we're going to have to just get used to that. It's going to be a lifetime of maintaining. I read a, a cool article about this gentleman who's homeless, and so he set up a, his tent under a bridge on 4th Avenue downtown Seattle. And uh, they did a sweep, the city did, swept everybody out. And as soon as the city was through, he came right back, pitched his tent again, and so some of the folks who are advocates for the homeless, you know, are always making sure they've got blankets and they're being cared for and they're fed and those kind of things. This gal came and said, well, aren't you kind of nervous about the city? They just swept you out of here. You know, you're actually breaking the law. He said, no, what, what the city is doing is sweeping out the messy people. He said, I've learned to take care of my spot. He said, a lot of homeless people are really messy. How many of you can vouch for that? Folks that I know who kind of camp out in certain spots, it's horrible. This guy has a little bit of character and says, you know what, at least what I'm going to do is be thankful for what I have and take care of it and keep it orderly and nice. And he said, because the community doesn't like looking at our mess. You see, it was built into us to maintain. All right, the final point about work this morning. Oh, I like these guys. I couldn't figure out which pictures to use, so I used them all. Value has, uh, work has great, great value. There's creating, there's maintaining, and then there's serving. In Genesis 2.15, we read that God placed Adam in the garden to work the garden and to take care of it. And, And the word work in this case is a different one. It's the word shamar. It means to treasure. It means to value something and care for it and keep it in good condition. It's treasuring what God has provided. It's kind of alongside that, that maintenance word, taking care and maintain, but, but this is taking it to a whole new level, recognizing that what God has provided us is probably going to outlive us. And for that reason, it's a treasure. That's why we maintain our house. Oh, I want good resale value. Well, what if you're going to live there until your children take the house over and their grandchildren take the house over? House value would mean nothing to you. You can't sell it for a retirement nest egg. You maintain it because it's going to outlive you. And if not your family, somebody else's. Why? God's provided this home. And I'm going to treasure it because it's not just about me getting my little 70-year life all together and having a nice place to put my head. It's, it's larger than that. The reason I serve at church, let's take it out of physical into spiritual. 
realm. The reason I work hard and serve my brothers and sisters in our community here at church is because this church, RCC, this family will outlive me. I'm treasuring what I've been allowed to steward for these few years on earth. And that's the kind of work I was designed for, and so were you. We can't over-spiritualize money, but we can't under-spiritualize it either. God has placed it on earth to work. Some things need to be created, other things need to be maintained, and other things need to be treasured. It might be a skill you've been given to treasure and continue to invest and get retraining and specialization and things like that. It might be the work that you do on a car. I mean, I, I said earlier, regardless of which economic stratosphere you're in, um, treat it like it's the best car you ever had. That was the best hot tub we ever had. It's the only hot tub. But we treated it like, I'm just going to make this puppy work. Whatever it takes without spending a million dollars. We don't have a million dollars, so let's just try to, try to use the parts we can and make it work. So I, I like to use illustrations because I'm kind of a visual learner and, and, and I'm going to show you an illustration that you might think, oh, I'm trying to impress people and I just put this up here to show off. Please, just that's not it at all. I, I really want to demonstrate something that I hope you can take home and go, my world's different than this world, but the principle's the same. I want to treasure what I've been given and invest in it. And, and then what we will discover is the wealth of God will begin to perhaps just trickle at first, but will begin to flow if we can just be steady, steady, walking with Jesus every day and not give up. So this one has to do with the house that we bought, only house we've ever owned, best house we've ever had. Um, we bought it for uh, an amount of money that was, I mean, you could not get a new car for the price we paid for our house today. But it was the only house we could afford, so we just loved it, and we said, okay, this is the house we get to have. What can we do with the time, the energy, and the limited funds that we have to make this work for as long as God has us here? And so we did, I, I showed you a remodel we did last time, about a year ago, I showed the pictures of that. And then the, the next phase that I didn't show was the fact that we had never had a garage. We were always parking outside, and people were just... I was telling stories about my garage adventures every Sunday just about because something crazy would happen and some dangerous thing that God would send angels and get me out of the way of. And, and, and yet, uh, I, I never, and people were like badgering, Alex, let us show the picture, show us, let us see. So I never did, so today I'm gonna show you some slides. So here's, um, here's what we realized, we need a garage. It's not about, oh, I've gotta have a garage, I'm a man. <laughs> well, we, could, we could make it work, we, we had made it work for 20 years, we didn't need one now. We needed it for other reasons. We've got grandkids coming, and, and kids want to park their car inside out of the rain and come upstairs without having to, you know, just forage through this. I mean, it was a muddy mess before we put our garage in, and then up these stairs, and we live on a hill, and it's just, it was a nightmare. So let's, let's take care of our stuff, and let's take care of our kids. So talk about serving. My friend Eric Minch offered some time and energy to come over and uh, jackhammer our... Um, Porch. It was a concrete porch that was over the existing garage, which was about the size of a shed. Is this kind of like a Roadrunner cartoon? Notice the part he's standing on? He's like standing on the branch that he's going to cut off, you know? <laughs> so that wasn't... <laughs> he lived. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> 
yeah, there's tons of rebar and concrete. It wasn't going anywhere. We had a lot, a lot of work to do. But anyway, talk about serving. He's, he's actually investing in my call to keep our home in condition that it could be lived in for a long, long time. And uh, he was in transition at time between jobs and even relationships and things like that. So he said, hey, I'll invest in you because guess what? Whatever you sow, that will you also reap. And I think, Eric, someday I want to hear your story about the, the home that you're reaping now and your lovely wife with Krista and the things that are going on there. It's, it's miraculous when you think about where we've all come from. So anyway, Eric is investing his time, and so we're just terrorizing. Uh, <laughs> Pam was gone. <laughs> and so uh, I'm not sure what happened. I just wanted to kind of give you a, a better idea, but we had this uh, garage. The entire thing was made out of concrete, all four walls and the ceiling as well. The ceiling was a, we figured out, it must have been a fish pond. It was about two feet deep, full of water. There's a drain right in the middle of it. and It just poured right on your car underneath. It's like, who, who designed this, you know? So anyway, we said, this is not working. We need a, we need a real garage with wood roof and we need to expand some things. So he's, he's taking care of that and we're, we're getting rid of, oh, there's a demo video here. There's a little live photo of Eric jackhammering. So there's no sound to it, but I, I'm hoping we can get it. So he has jackhammered the top, and I've got a sledgehammer, and this is the remains of the side of the fish pond uh, that was on top of the garage, and that's about 4,000 pounds worth of concrete. And you can see I'm well secured. I've got harnesses and <laughs> knee pads and everything. Yay! So, so this is, there is a point to this. When we treasure, when we treasure the things God has given to us and done for us, we will work really hard to keep it in the condition or even improve on the condition that he gave us, huh? So I want to say, I mean, that was, it, it was ugly work, it was hard work, it was dirty work, but baby, was it fun. It was just so satisfying, not only because of the work itself, but because of the outcome. And so anyway, finished. I just, Eric, thanks for taking that little phone camera. I mean, that was great. So anyway, the garage came down, and now we're getting ready to take everything out of there. We're going to put a whole brand new garage in front of that and, and build it up. And look at the porch. Now, that's safe. <laughs> it's just kind of somehow, I'm not sure, sky hook or something. Okay, so that's going on. Anyway, we were done. It was all down, and I was very happy. We kept the remaining wall on the left side and built everything off there. Then later on, we built the garage, and there I am helping my brother Dave and the Sefrovich's son, Rich, who does concrete. Yeah, their son, uh, Rich, did the concrete for us. He was an awesome guy. So he and Dave were working there. There's Rich in the background getting our little driveway finished, and so finally got that. I know that's what I say, too. I, you got to be kidding me. It's only because we've learned to treasure what God has given us. And if you and I will recognize when it comes to money and finances, don't over-spiritualize. Oh, must be a demon stealing our bank account. No. <laughs> don't over-spiritualize and say, well, I thought if I would just kind of have faith and you know, sow seeds over here that miraculously, yes, giving and receiving and faith is definitely part of it. But let's not over-spiritualize the fact that just plain old hard work is what we are designed to do. In balance with our personal health, with relationships that we have, other commitments we're required to make to the kingdom of God, to other people, to jobs, and those sorts of things. But let's not get to the point where we think, I'm a king's kid. I deserve 
He can sell a cattle on a thousand hills and give me the cash, you know? That's just silly. From the moment God invented earth, the garden, man, and woman, he intended there to be some sort of marriage between the humans and the work of their hands. So let's just begin to appreciate and be thankful for. Maybe you don't have the best boss. Maybe you don't have the the greatest setup or schedule or commute. But I'm telling you, what we do have is an opportunity to partner with our creator and make the place and the people that we touch better than they were when we got here. Amen? Amen. So Father God, we thank you so much for the, the privilege of putting our hands to the plow, as it were. And for each of us to say, Lord, I, I really do want to invest the limited time, energy, and resources that I've been gifted with in such a way that new things are created from time to time. That old things are well-loved and maintained. And that most things are treasured to the point where we recognize this item, this gift, this calling will far outlive me. It's a treasure from your hand, Lord. And so we want to be people who have a reputation for being willing to lay down our lives, serve you, serve one another, and care well for the things that we've been given so that we cannot just say, wow, comfy. No, so that we'll have something to share with those in need. Whatever wealth we accrue, Father, we just pray you'd also teach us to be generous so that we have something to share with those in need. In Jesus' name. And the church said? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Whoever knew a sermon on work could be that fun. Um, <laughs> I, I just want to close by saying, hey, if you've never really had a specific encounter with the living God where you felt Jesus in the room talking to you, embracing you, um, I want you to know that's what Christianity really is. It's not a set of rules. It's not the Puritan work ethic. It's not showing up and doing religious duties. It's having a relationship. And so the first step is always to say, God, show yourself to me. Along with, read his love letter to you. That prayer and this book, I promise, will bring you to a point where you will meet him face to face. And then you'll know that you know that you know. The only way to live my life is as a born-again Christian. Okay, I challenge you to do that. All right, may God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Yes, God's word is so awesome. Thanks, Pastor Alex. I hope this message blesses you as it does me. We have an awesome time of worship during each of our services. We have infant and child care available, as well as complete children's education programs. We host the Wildfire Youth Programs Wednesday evenings. Be sure to visit our website at rccfoursquare.org. Here's a final word from Pastor Kevin. Do you ever have thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. You know, really our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that today. God bless.